spoken me. I went to sleep that night without knowing that it would be the last night I ever spent in that bed at my parents' house in London. Meredith, my mum shook me awake. The room was dark, making it obvious it wasn't morning yet, or not time to get up for school anyway. Mum, I mumbled in my half-asleep state. It's time to go. Everything I told you about those stories is true. It's time for you to leave us so you can train to be a protector. Your dad and I, we've done everything we possibly can to prepare you. First Charge is the first book in the Destiny Initiative series by Amanda Steele. The book can be purchased in paperback from Amazon. The e-book can also be purchased on Kindle, Kobo, Apple Books and many others. Spoken Thank you today for tuning in to Spoken Label. Spoken Label was originally set up at the beginning of 2016 and as of recording has over 200 sessions in our archive. Although the podcast can be heard on Anchor, iTunes, Apple, Spotify, YouTube and literally 10 or 11 other networks, the full archive can be found at Spoken Label, all one word, spokenlabel.bandcamp.com. On Bandcamp, it is set as pay what you want. So you are entitled, if you wish, you can download it or stream it for nothing. But if you're going to throw me a couple of pennies my way, it is always a term they're grateful to help me maintain the operating costs and future running costs for this podcast. Enjoy. Spoken Label. Hi guys, Andy Ed, Spoken Label. Back in the house on a Saturday afternoon. Look awful weather up here today as well. Now, we've got a special podcast today. The gentleman in question. We're going to break the fourth wall today. And anyone's wondering what I mean by the fourth wall? Gentleman, I'm going to be chatting to today is I've done a podcast with him recently under his alias or his alter ego, might be a better word, Drezea. But I want to talk to Uma today, the man behind the mask, and about because he did a quite an interesting article recently for Sunday Tribune when he went, went to one about the breakdown of the ego as an artist. So, Uma, where do we Hello. start? Where do we start then? Well, bro, it's uh. It's interesting because uh, there was a period of time uh, during my spoken word career where literally it's been hard. It, it was literally so hard being, uh, being you know, being Dre Zero because I really felt that it was such a difficult ordeal for me because for me, my friend, it's, it's one of those things where when you live in a kind of identity bubble, it's, it's as if, like, you're taking care of an artist, but then you're, but you're malnourishing yourself. And I think striking that balance is very, very uh, difficult. Because to me, man, like, <sighs> Drake's era is an extension of me. However, what I've, been, what I've been working on, especially last year, is working on the man behind the mask in order for me to facilitate properly um, the Dre Zero fully. I think that's very, very important. Yeah, I think so as well because it's uh, people of you know already like said, but my real name's not Andy Ents, it's like extension. But like it's your case, you two adopted almost a different person altogether. And I obviously know you as Uma as much as I know you're Dre Zero. And I can see the similarities between the two of you. But Dre Zero, in some ways, is like you doing the Steve Austin room, you've turned yourself up to 120 or something, haven't you? So like that is definitely the bottom line. Yeah, it's quite an interesting thing. Like, tell people obviously then that obviously don't know you that well. Then, where did Drazia originally come from? Then, so, so Drazia is an amalgamation of, say, for example, I dated a lady called Becky way back in 2014, and she used to call me Zira, and I nicknamed her Astra. And then when I started doing Spoken Word in 2016, but as Uma, because obviously, you know, you start off and, uh, and all that, I decided to, you know what? I needed to have a whole, I needed a character because I feel like an artist needs to breathe properly. And I feel like as myself in my current guise at the time, I felt, nah, I need, I need something to really get me deep into it. So I feel that, Zira 
is comes from the sorry Dre I meant came from uh, Castlevania. I really loved Castlevania when I was a kid, and I mixed it all together. Dre Zero, very marketable name, and you know it's uh, it's uh, it's on the tips of people's tongues these days. Yeah, yeah, it certainly has, and it's what's been interesting really is towards the back end of the last year. Not I've not seen you perform this year yet. I know at the back end of last year, at one point, you actually, Drazia took a break, didn't you? And you were doing some readings as Uma, like your real self. Now, how did that compare then? I mean, breaking fourth wall again, but I'm, I'm sure I'm sure I performed at Spoken Label in January. I mean, Drazia did, but jokes yeah. aside. Yeah, oh, yeah Drazia is part of the family, right? So it was cool. Oh, yeah, sure, it's sure. But yeah, um, but yeah, sorry, repeat the question again, sorry. Yeah, sure. I saw you a couple of times at the back end of last year. I've not yes. seen you read this year yet, so I can't comment. But I know you were... Did, oh, you Zuma, did few... yeah. Get... Yeah, Zuma, oh. didn't you? Now, how did that compare, then, to breaking... Still breaking the fourth wall as actually reading Zuma oh. instead of Drazia? I felt bad. I felt felt very weird because I feel that... I felt that... I felt it was important to do it because it was kind of like a cleansing kind of stage. However, I honestly feel, Andy, that, to be perfectly honest, at the end of the day, my honest feelings towards it is that I felt that I wanted to continue performing poetry but mm. I felt that Dre Zira needed a break because it was just so draining it was just so draining and intense for me so I honestly just needed to escape out of Dre Zira because uh, I so to give context in October I split up I split up with my then partner at the time, known as Becca, 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 you know, I all love the ladies of the letter B on them anyway. So, but then we split up and uh, uh, even just towards the end of the relationship, I was doing a, a voyage of self-discovery in the sense of really figuring out what I want in my life, who I am, all that kind of stuff, uh, working on myself, working on the deep inner side of me. And I feel that being the Dre Zero character distracted me from it. I felt that for me, I really wanted to, I really wanted to focus and really nail down who I am. Because if I don't know who I am deep down, then how in the world am I going to work on Dre Zero? Because otherwise, I'm just going to have absolute massive imposter syndrome of which I felt I mentioned in the Sunday Tribune. He did. He did. And that's why it's interesting to mention that today, because I want to be agreed about which when you did that feature back in the last year. They were quick chat because it's it's a fascinating topic to go on to, really. Like I said, as long as you're trying to do, do what you're doing there. I think if I'd done it, it would drove me absolutely mental. Like I said, that's respect to you to having the guts to go and do that. It's the case that people don't know. When you do Drazia, you're putting the energy into it, aren't you? It's not just sit, you're sitting there and monitor and reading and stuff. It's like Yours is a full performance. Yeah, and people don't people don't realise that there's a for performers that not only like performs with a you know with energy and that. There's also other things as well. Making sure the lighting's correct, making sure the second recording device to record myself is correct for social media, making sure that all my poems are set up. Uh, I mean, I'm sure quite a lot of people do any of that. Are like working on literally making sure I give the best performance possible. And I feel that every single time I go for it, really perform as best as I can, uh, want to just enjoy myself, feel immersed in the moment. And yeah, that's that's really important to me. I, re I really feel that performance poetry is very, very important to me. And I just want to make sure I do it justice. And like even with the Zoom, the Zoom era as we are in, because due to the fact of us being in a pandemic, I feel that's very, very important. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right because it's it's certainly like you just we're just looking at the screens that we're doing today. It's it's completely different to the way it was when you were on stage. Like it was, uh, I was chatting to people will know it. I did a podcast last night with a lady called Red Producer, whose session will be going live just for this one. And Red was talking on the on and off mic a lot about Dre Zia's performance when she first met you. And you put, I've not, I've seen you only in videos, obviously, like you've done the cable video performances from the past. And the energy is different to what it is on stage and just reading out in front of the camera. 
And I think it's mm. you've learned. We've both learned before we did the ways of that, really, haven't we? So the past the past ten months. The way I see it, the way I see it is that when you perform, you are performing in front of an audience. You don't want to, you don't want to half-ass anything. And that is why, for me, I put my heart and soul into performing because I don't want to leave anything on the table. Uh, and because of the fact, this is what I love. This is my passion. Uh, performing poetry, writing, all that. This is, this is part of my life. And I literally really want to do it justice, Andy. Yeah, yeah, I think we all do. We all do with that one, mate. Because, like, to get to, it's an interesting point for the non non performers and non writers. Is like when you if you first get into this sort of field, you just want to keep pushing yourself all the time. But I think it's dangerous if you stand still on it. You can end up on it. It can cause you a lot of problems. You, you work, you get really stale and repetitive. And that's why I respect you, mate. Like you're constantly, constantly evolving as a character in it all the time. And that's why. Yes, yes, I feel you're right. However. One of the things that I really hit the brick wall at, and I think we mentioned this at Spoken Label when Dre Zira was performing uh, or at the at the show, uh, what it was, what the one of the major issues between 2018 and 2019 is that even though I felt that I was evolving, I felt that the energy of Dre Zira just wasn't there. I just felt really stale in those years because literally, as as we as you've seen. When I performed in 2017, all like 99% of the performances were all in person, all different venues, Manchester, <laughs> Manchester, Cardiff, uh, Nottingham, Lincoln, literally all around the country, added San Fran, doing all those performances really burnt the mother trucking out of me. Like it really, it really was an eyesore for me, Andy. It was like, what the hell? You know what I mean? It was like, wow, performing all that. And then literally 2018, 2019, also for personal reasons too, I was I was absolutely spent. And I felt if there is any positive with the pandemic that we're living in, in 2020, yes, I did perform once in South End in person, but all the other performances were all virtual. And I guess that was also a positive in itself because the way I see it is that because of that, I had time to relax. I had time to, you know, just find my footing again. Because when you travel, and I'm sure you can vouch for this, when oh, you travel yeah. in general, there's yeah. a lot of hustle, there's a lot of bustle, there's a there's a lot of uh, intensity that gets involved in it all. And oh, completely. Com said, completely. Yeah, with that said, it just it then because of the pandemic, things have slowed down. And that I think that has enabled me to literally uh, re find the voice again at Dre Zero and... It is scary because um, it's scary to think that between 2018 and 2019, they weren't my best years of Dre's era. I felt that I felt that 2020 kind of felt as if I was literally getting back to 2017 levels of me. And I feel like, I honestly feel that Dre's era is the best he's ever been ever. And the reason why I say that is because, the reason I say this is because when you, uh, when you get older, you... You and also when you get older within an environment such as performing poetry, performing on stage, etc., you learn more about your body, you learn more about yourself. And you know, I'm no longer in my 20s anymore, I'm in my 30s now. So, in that sense, it's all about development, and I've learned so much more about myself. And therefore, I feel Dre Zero now, literally, in my opinion, Andy, can is a lot better for it. I think you are because. As a, like any sort of artist, when you first get going, and this is, I think, applies to you definitely with this one. So, I've been performing, God, what, 15, 14, 15 years now. And I remember the first few years I did it, I was really wasn't, wasn't really good material. And then it was the case, I think you kept at it. I kept at it like you did, and eventually found the direction I wanted to go. That's what happened to you, basically, with it. Like I said, and you bought your first book out a couple of years ago, didn't you? So, like, and then there's Dre Zia, like, it's, I've seen you. Go around, it's great when you're on the Wrestle, Wrestle podcast. You we basically break the ball. But I love the fact you always make a habit. Oh, yeah, one second. Sorry, was running the battery and then ran out my laptop. Then, yeah, sorry. Well, was like, I love with it. Everyone listens to our Wrestle Up podcast with Dr. Dr. Paul. Is there's a playfulness about you in it that's always great fun to watch. Like, it was, um, we had one recently where you, you were basically shattered out from the night before watching and won the 
AEW special, but it was brilliant. And it added, oh, like, God, yeah. That was great fun. It's just good laugh, but like it's there's a difference between that and you as a person. And the same goes for me, really. And that's what's really interesting to me talk about the characters and what you're doing there is Dre Z. So it's quite interesting. So do you have any ideas where Dre's going to go this year in 2021? Yeah, no. Well, at the moment, staying at home because we're in a pandemic, but, yeah. but um, or, yeah. or in my or in my, uh, my partner's house. But honestly, Andy, I see Dre Zira as continuing to continuing to performing at different events because I think what is important for me is I don't like to stay performing at the same events all the time. I like to keep mixing and matching. I keep I love to keep mixing and matching and and literally just continue to just keep working hard, you know, just keep working hard and keep performing. And I think that's very, very important for me uh, because I feel that, uh, I feel for me that that is, that is what resonates with me, Andy, because I feel that just keep progressing and and you know like and also really work harder in the uh, in an area which I kind of neglected, which I think is very important in uh, going um, applying for doing them publications. Uh, in other words, like for example, uh, Dre Zero was in the charity anthology uh, uh, that, that Amanda Steele. Um, yeah, did, the words to words to remember one. And oddly enough, yes. uh, me and Amanda were out over walking the our local meadows today in the forest, the back of us, and she was going on about that as she was, really praising your positivity where that she was. So it shows you that that's what I like about working with, man. Everyone's good at Uber here, as Ray's here. You've got the infectious about you as a person, and that's why and it's you're very encouraging. That's a place a pleasure to work with you and stuff, mate. I agree with you. I said to keep up the publications, so that's why. So definitely that one, mate. I, I think. I think like application is very, very important. And also the fact that you just want to keep pushing forward because I feel that, I feel that people literally, people don't give themselves enough credence or appreciation in themselves in that. Like, I think, yeah, like people get sad, people get down and that's understandable because being sad and upset, they are important emotions. Like you can't neglect emotions. However, People don't, people forget how incredible the human mind is and, and people forget uh, how important it is for people to develop. And also people forget like how, how incredible they are because people get put down so much in society. And I think it's very important always to remind people that they are valued. And I think there needs to be more positivity and more energy, especially at a time like this, because this pandemic has hit so many people for six and it's completely ruined so many people's psyches because like, let's be real here. Like, for example, like I don't, I don't go for this. I don't go to the gym, for example. However, I know people that have literally, they, they are literally like, they don't know what to do without the gym, you know? And oh, people, God, all, all going to one of the local bars or pubs all the time. Yeah. Oh yeah. The bars, the pubs. Yeah. That's, they're all gone. All that world has gone and disappeared. Yeah, they may they may not come back to us yet as well because, like I said, it's definitely where it was heading at the moment. Agree with you. I'm not. I've not been going those games for about ten years now because when I got down, I kind of diabetic. It changed my entire life. But like, it's I found it funny the way it's affected people. Definitely on that one. So, but I agree with you. And that it's be interesting to see how when things hopefully improve later on this year, and what's going to happen. Basically, will will theatres reopen and stuff like that? Will where a performance place is going to be, where it, we can do our pieces. It's incredible. It is incredible because I was in early March. I think it was the, I think I have it somewhere around, somewhere on my wall somewhere. Um, I had a, so yeah, there was a barber. Yes, it was the 5th of March last year. I went to a theatre show of Barbara Streisand. Uh, shout out to my homie, Winter. She was the, uh, she was Barbara Streisand and, I knew her through poetry and music within the within the scene of South End, and she performed at the theatre in my town. And yeah, it was it was great. She performed so well. And yeah, with that said, like she performed so well. And and yeah, uh, but that was it, it's. I was a little bit nervous because uh, because it was early March. I knew I saw what was happening in Italy. 
and most of the target demographic were elderly individuals and i was like shit uh, uh you know and literally literally the next week or next literally in a couple of weeks after that the theater shut and the theaters have been shut since so yeah it is crazy how things have changed and literally like if we're in 2019 talking about this now people thought you'd be bombing mad but here we yeah. are and no it's true it's true 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 like it was um certainly from our perspective in Manchester was it got through to January and February I saw it coming in February if you and uh, I think Amanda did as well and like we were absolutely our night we do speak easy but you, you would have been to the zoom one we've been we're been, we're getting for two years before that me and Amanda Steve were getting 50 or 60 people attending in person all the time and it was getting the stage where we would have had to look for a bigger venue because it was getting that rammed. And it's now it's like the venue's gone where we're at and when things lift again, they hopefully in the year, we're going to have to make a few judgment calls what where we go next and directions and stuff. And it's, I don't know, it's just very, very funny times at the moment. So I think a lot of it is with us have done lots and we're waiting to see really. So. It, is, it is incredible. And I mean, so... I initially said this year that we will slowly see some changes in mid-February. Now, even with this new variant in the UK, I'm still being hopeful. However, I would say that things won't start opening up again until... Things won't properly start opening up again until, I would say, at least at least April now. Yeah. At least April. And that's being very, very, very conservative. I think so as well. There's talk going on at the moment. There's a lot of this. Well, I'm not sure to what approach it, but it's people worth noting this. Like, I've heard a lot of talk going on. Like, a lot of the pubs and bars, I reckon, won't be reopening up until May time, at least toward May bank holiday. And then it'll be a case of we'd have to, it was certainly in the art, art scene that we're in, it'll be a case of wait and see what happens then. But it's going to be some interesting times coming up this year, that's for sure. Of it, so well, watch your space. You know what I'm saying with that? Definitely so. Uber, anyway. Well, I'm going to, that's cool we're going to talk about today with that. So if people want to find out more about Dre Zaya, where are the best going? Well, good question. Well, they can find Dre Zaya at the at YouTube, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Type in Dre Zaya, you will find it. Links will be provided on a spoken label as well. Oh, yep, absolutely. And yeah. Uh, check it out through there. And also, I also have every Monday the Dre Zero Uncensored podcast, the third best podcast in the world, next to Wrestle Up and Spoken Label. Uh, check it out every Monday. Plug, 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 plug. And yeah, check it out. Show you. And yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good to me, mate. So, right. We're not going to do the poetry second half, of course, because that is taking one step too further. Obviously, because it's just Uber today rather than Dre Zero. But hang around, everybody. We shall see you all soon. Thank you again, Uma, and see you all soon, mate. Spoken, oh, mate. Okay, guys, yes, you can tell there's a part two coming here because people wouldn't necessarily know this, but we're, Uma in the background is getting his clothes together. <laughs> so, so we're going to go deeper. Home organising. Shout yeah. out to Marie Kondo. <laughs> we're going to do some heavy hitting now. Instead of Uma doing some poetry. Okay. Now, it's a shame, actually. Now, I didn't put a, a question to that thing on before, but I got asking people asking Uma all kinds of intimate personal questions. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I'm gonna. Like, I, I, I don't even know. What, I'm not even thought about what we're gonna talk about here. We're gonna make it more, even more off the off the record, to open label. But with that one, so definitely with that one. So, uh, okay, yeah, I know what we're gonna talk about today. I, I'm interested knowing, and I'm gonna tell you some mine as well. What's the worst gig you've ever done? So I know the answer to this question. And I'll tell you mine. I've, I've got one. Mm. 2016 Cambridge. Uh, I, it was, you know what? It was one of those gigs where I felt so awkward after. So there was this poem that it was the last time I performed this poem as well. It was titled Little Awkward Third Wheel. And basically, the demographic, a lot of the demographic were um, um, adults that literally were. Uh, were screwed over by their past partners and single so that wasn't the best idea to talk about being a third wheel to someone and you know uh so that was that was my thought uh, after the event uh, i felt i felt apologetic to people that felt offended even though the poem itself wasn't offensive but it was like it was more like the audience it's like it was more the audience just really really not gravitating to it they were really they were just they were just pissed off they were just pissed 
And so, yeah, that, that made me feel hella, hella bad. And so, yeah, and there we go. That was, that was mad. That was mad well, yeah. yeah, and that was, like, that was my worst gig. But that was like maybe, that's like four and a half years ago now. So I'm, I'm relaxed about it. And uh, yeah, that really taught me though to really like look at the audience as well. And like, and also like, just figuring out my, my writing style and what I wanted to represent as well. But honestly, do I regret it? Not really, but I learned a lot from it. Good man. Do you want to know what my worst one was? Go on. This was a few years ago um, in a bar in Wivington with Fuel Bar. <laughs> and okay. me and a guy, mate of mine, who I'm not going to name, we're out drinking all afternoon. And we ended up going for a pizza. And fighters just, well, just before I got diabetes, actually, so a few years back. And we had about five or six pints, basically. And we had a, then we had a big pizza. And we got to the bar we were in, and my stomach turned for half an hour around the dual stage. And it was really quite a big stage here to get to the toilet. I had my name, name announced. And, oh, oh, heck, I'm on the bloody toilet. So I literally rushed out from the toilet, so we upset stomach, grabbed my poems, straight into the stage in 15 minutes, helped my stomach move at the end of the set, and I went straight back to the toilet. I spent the next hour and a half in the toilet. Very, very wow. ill. So, and then the, the next one is off sick work and stomach was off, and it was the food. We'd had a pizza basically, and he was ill as well. No, he was so we both was off sick because the bloody food, the food we'd had, so it upset our stomachs. But, oh, Incredible. And I don't even remember the gig as well. Apparently, I was the bloody, I was on stage, bright white, shaking, and actually loads of sweat was pouring down me. So, wow, that was the worst one I've done. Um, most memorable gig, and I'll tell you mine, you can tell me yours. You must have one that always sticks in your head. I did yep. in 2010, was We did a, my second, my, my last band, but one, second, second tour of Southern Ireland. We got asked to go and do a gig at a hall in Bantry. And basically, we had a main, the, the band did, and we did a kids' set, basically, we wrote it in advance. And we got told, oh, there were 20 or 30 kids there. Unfortunately, we got there and discovered there was 1,200 kids there. <laughs> so, apparently, it had gone all over this Irish press that some spoken word band were coming over from Manchester with special commissioned kids set. And we walked okay. in there, uh, walked in the walked in the back, and it's about there. Uh, and the host said, "Oh, there's a few more than 50 turned up." And I stood behind the curtain, and I, all I could see was that all the way back, a much bigger. St- Rumour I've been told it was, it's about 1,200 people. And I, and I turned around to the band and said, uh, yes, we've got a problem here, right? <laughs> so, but, okay, oh boy, yeah. Yeah, in the oh. case of like, yeah, we, so we got when did it. We did it very set. There's recording of it knocking around. I think what a storm it did. But it was a case of afterwards, we came out of there and went straight to the pub afterwards. We just couldn't believe what we'd just done. 1,200 people. God, absolutely bloody crazy. What's your most memorable gig then? Have you got one that sticks in your head? Hmm. Or oh, unexpected gig, perhaps. I've had quite a lot, uh, but I will say one very memorable gig that sticks out to me was, I think, one that really sticks out to me is the one in, there was one in uh, Eastbourne near Brighton, and that was my 100th poetry performance and it was really in the mad event because what it was is that beforehand I had uh, Brian and uh, a group of people from Brighton Hove University they wanted to do a documentary about spoken word performances and they wanted to do like literally a performance about me and, oh wow like, you know, like, so they were like docu- like so my demands were interesting uh, I said look pay for my pay for my train pay for my uh, pay for my train ticket and uh, pay for a haircut. So, <laughs> so yeah. And what was very interesting was that uh, Andy is that um, I got I got a haircut at the Grove Experience. I remember this place, the Grove Experience in Eastbourne. Uh, a lady called Kiki did. Uh, yeah, it's actually it's actually somewhere on my on my main on my um my YouTube channel. I did a vlog on it in Eastbourne. Literally, <laughs> like me getting my hair done and everything. It was a uh, it was quite interesting that experience. Like it was a uh, pretty, pretty fun. And like the hundred performance itself in Eastbourne, it was at the Printers Playhouse as well. Uh, shout out, I believe it was Jason that was running the event. And yeah, it was so good. It was so, so good, Andy. Like literally, I was one of the only two spoken word performers there. And 
they really did love me and it was really really like entertaining and that really sticks out to me it was march april 2017 there was a couple of months until broken circuit board was coming out yeah i was really feeling good and that was probably the last time that eventually i think that was a yeah no actually no in 2018 yeah um yeah uh that was the second to last year of me having short hair because i had short hair really at uh, 2018 and then uh yeah from t- late 2018 onwards i really had short hair god yeah god god i could remember i had remember i had longer and at the moment my hair's probably could have long hair that. i didn't actually Ooh. know this no it's before i just before i started reading poetry i've got a picture of it and i'll send it across to you some point from when i was you're what 31 are you then i take it i'm 31 in a couple of months i'm 30 right. currently no i'll send it to you when i was the same age as you when i was 30 my hair was halfway down the back, it was. And I was fronting you wanna, it. You feel like growing your hair long again or nah? Mm, I don't know. I'm too old for that now. I'm 40. I'm 49. Are you? Are you? I'm 49. 49 this year, so probably well, Marty, Marty Friedman, who used to be in Megadev, his hair's still long as hell and he's in his 50s. I will see. We'll see. I don't know yet. It's changed time for reflection this year, so certainly it might be. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've got to tell you one good story, though. Another unexpected poetry. Not mine. It's one that happened to Amanda. And there's a video of this one knocking around with us as well. So this happened in, what's it now? It was, I think it was November, November 2019, where I'd signed Amanda up for a night called That's What She Said. Now, there is a London branch of this, I believe. It's a feminist night. And um, she, we got her onto the Manchester one on the open mic because we had two friends that were headlining that night and I got her down to do it on a five-minute slot. And she must have had about 100 odd people in there. And she went on stage. And the second, first piece she went down, went down pretty well. But then she went, so the next one's about, next piece is about having an imaginary one night stand with Keeper Sutherland. And you, the video's knocking around for this. And all you could, the roar just come out of bloody nowhere for all the women in the audience. And it was wow. like, it was, it was absolutely incredible. Like it was a, you just hear it, and like it, she's at, you can see Amanda's face, she's staggered by it in absolute sheer shock, which was like, would have staggered me because she never had a reaction like that before that piece. And then, like, then she did that piece, and they all they were lapping up every single word of it, and you could hear them physically roaring at every line on it. Then she did another piece about burying um, a partner in a shed in Ever, and they were just going berserk on it, they were so you know, in a good way. It was just like those sort of react nights where you. Glad you, I'm glad the video did it for because you know I me. Mean? You, you must have had nice like yourself and like, get reactions. Like you just come off stage thinking, I don't believe I've had that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, I think there were times when, like, I so there was this poem that I haven't performed in a while because it's far better done in in like an actual an actual audience when it's um, life of a soberholic. So I've been sober for nearly five years now and. Oh, oh yeah, I, d- I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I knew you. Yeah, you did, yeah, yeah. I knew you were a bit of a drinker when you were younger, weren't you? So, what made yeah. you want? What made you want to stop the drinking? Then? Well, I felt that linked to performing. I felt to myself, you know what? I'm going to be performing it. I'm going to be performing so many times in these venues, right? So I thought to myself, you know what? If I cut my if I cut my ties now with alcohol, mm. then I'm literally going to have more longevity in performing poetry. So. I made that I made that decision because I felt it was right for me to literally to literally just stop it like to cut it dead because I felt that I was never addicted to it but I felt that if I continued that path then I felt that I might become dependent on it so I'd rather prevent something from happening than then say going on going to AA or seeking help because I cut because I felt that I have, I sometimes have a natural addictive personality. So, so I felt that for me, I felt what was important is me just, uh, yeah, just really focusing on myself and just lot, yeah, just cut it all out. But yeah, um, the, yeah, back to life of the soberholic. When I did that performing poetry, uh, it's so good because I always get my prop is orange juice and it involves orange juice and it's a lot of crowd participation and it's so. It's so, so good when performed in person. And I reckon that I will bring it out one day for the first time in years. <laughs> it's, because it has been, it will be like two years since I, then I'll have a run of performances in person. You know what I mean? So 
it'll be good to get that back again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, get it completely. I know, I know when we get back to the pop live circuit where we are in Manchester, Amanda's got a couple of pieces now where she had a piece that went up into BBC Manchester very recently on the radio. And it's oh, absolute cool. stormer of pieces, absolutely. And it's um, it'll go down like a storm basically once you get to, we get to the live circuit. And I've got a couple of pieces on the self world, so it's. I think that's what we're missing, really. They're just you know, just plodding along with it, aren't we? So uh, let's see what happens next, basically. So, have you got any questions you want to ask me, Uman? Anything burning questions? Uh, yeah, I've got, I've got, I've got, I've got an interesting questions. So, like, do you feel that you'll ever? live elsewhere out of the UK or do you feel comfortable living in England? Ah, that's a good question actually. Good question. When I was younger, I wanted to. Obviously now I've Where got... Where did you want to go when you were younger? Well, I nearly moved to Southern Ireland at one point I did. I came very close to it, moving on the coastline. I'd always want to live in a quite remote like existence when I get older, that's for sure. And I know Amanda does actually. And that's why oh, it's very good for the pair of us. It's what, mate? You're made for each other, then? Yeah, it's both, we're both tall, mate, when we get to our 60s. And not that far away, so, yeah. No, we say, like, yeah, there's certainly something we will want to get when we get older. I don't know where, which is space, I'm sure, like I said, but I've always had interest in having a little cabin on, on, a, on a coastline somewhere. That's nice. why, so, that's why it's peace and quiet, but get away from the, the, the business of the city life, so, yeah, I think so. But whether that would be in or out of England, I don't know, Chelsea. Would you say that the thing is, though, would you say that without going too like political or geographical, would you say that Brexit may have uh, made things more difficult? Yeah, I think it's it's certain. Obviously, like, I can't go into a lot of details about Brexit on my side, you know why. But certainly it's got to change society, I think, the way we're looking at now. Whether that's for the better or the worse, only time will tell. Personally, I think it probably is going to make life a damn sight more awkward. For artists traveling abroad and stuff like that, because yeah. I've been talking a lot to like I know a lot of musicians, and when things calm down after the virus, a lot of them are basically saying they may have to pack in music altogether because they're, wow, they're, they're just that's really sad. It's really bad because of the visa situation. Because obviously, you're going back to what we had what 30 odd years ago, 40 years ago now, pre pre European Union. A lot of the, the visas are quite difficult to get into into Europe or to perform. And it cost a lot of money. And now it's the costs are going to go up even more. So so I don't know if the answer that one. So how about you, Uma? Would you envisage moving out of England? Yeah, um, I was thinking about this. Uh, so I would love to one day perhaps going somewhere like um, like so there's two two or three locations I'd love to move to. Uh, Canada. Australia or New Zealand. The reason is, is that I feel that, simply put, I feel that them countries seem to be far more better run. And, and Canada also, in particular. And also, I've developed a real love of, um, even though I haven't done it yet, I've really been immersed knowing and learning about skiing. And in Canada, uh, they have something called Whistler Mountain. And that's, that's one of the best ski resorts in the world. And I really want to immerse myself in that kind of thing. And uh, I also feel that in my head, I don't want to, I love traveling anyway, but I feel that I really don't want to live a life, Andy, where I just stay in one place. I feel that that would, because I've lived in the house that I live in all my life. And even though I, ha I do love traveling, I feel that I feel I want to live a life, Andy, where I want to spread my wings and I feel that traveling, traveling is one of the things that really, make performing poetry all the more amazing which that's one of the things I saw in this traveling. yeah I've done I've done it um, I've done a couple of big lots where I went off when I was 23 and um, I don't I certainly want to talk to you this story you know I want to know you that I would have traveled around traveling for six months around South America in Brazil I did when I was a yeah. lot younger a lot younger and it was really really quite an interesting way of life that I encountered an awful lot of real deprivance of poverty I did at that stage and it's I think you've got to do those sort of ventures I recommend it to anybody at a certain age whatever what age you are you could you could own you're not going to be here forever and you, you don't do it now you never do it obviously my philosophy so that's why I've got I've got all kinds of stories I could tell about my times in Brazil 
and it's I've wrote some of them into a poem, and I've got a second poem knocking on some of it as well. So it's 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 like I said, it's, it's adventures. You've got to do it. I think, far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. Right. I have another question for you. All right. Here's another question. Do you feel that? Do you feel that? Uh, countries such as America and the UK will they ever like? be helpful in the sense for everybody again because not to go too political but the thing is is that biden by the fact that he's naturally better than trump will be a far better president than trump but i feel the worry is i have is that all in all because he's naturally going to be better than trump because you're literally scraping up the bottom of the barrel there right Mm. you're going to get um you're going to be uh you know he might do things that might not be good but obviously he's not going to get called out because people go like, well, he, at least he's nowhere near as mad as Trump. And also with Boris, uh, Boris is a bumbling oaf in my opinion. And I feel that... Uh, I've, got, and- I've got to be careful I answer that one. So about Boris, I don't agree with what he says. That's the best way I can leave it with that one because you know, I'm oh. sure you know why. Right? But yeah, Trump's, Trump's worrying, really, really worrying. And it's like, you've had all those, those frankly disgraceful scenes going on the hanging house, two hours of Congress, didn't you? They incited yeah, everybody to go up and riot. It's like hmm. this mad. Yeah. <laughs> like I never yeah. thought I'd see. I never thought I would see anything like that happen ever in my life. Yeah, it's what is going. The interesting thing is to bear in mind something like Trump is. I think UK's got a similar sort of problem, but it's in a different way. As um, you look, type history will show with um, they obviously had a Barack Obama, didn't they, before Trump? Yeah. And he was an incredibly modern president. In a country that's had all kinds of racial issues over the years. And yeah. I think he took, he was restricted what he could do, was because the Republicans are in the House of Congress have blocked a lot of his moves. The House of Senate, I believe. And the House of Senate, yeah. That's what I mean. Then you get like Trump's coming and he's probably, he's left America, whether he meant to or not, in a very, very divided state. Very perilous state, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's you've had all the Black Lives Matter thing blown up, obviously. What they mm-hmm. And there's been another one, but did you know this? There's been another, another one happened, apparently. Another plea, you know, the black man died mysteriously in Brussels, with cells in Brussels, apparently, the other day, I noticed. And it looks like it's going to blow up again. But in America, when all that blew up, it was up. I've never seen anything like that in our, in our lifetime, certainly. I mean, it's just been really, really, really worrying. And like it was, um, and we was chatting to um, Red Medusa last night. She was telling me a lot about the demonstrations that happened around London over it. We had a big one in Manchester. What week after that happened, and there was something like we were in full lockdown, and they had, they had effectively something like three quarters of a million people coming to Piccadilly Gardens. But the thing, but the thing is about protest. like one thing, one thing about the the protest, which was very fascinating, and I and I told people this, like the vast majority of all the all the protests and campaigning for Black Lives Mattering is they were all like socially distant, so cases yeah. did not go up; they just went down. It's in Manchester, it's a bit more controversial because quite a lot of people are walking on that mask as well and they weren't social distancing. But it's been, to get people out of the house and then like that, my philosophy, is when that was happening, it really, really shows you that it meant a lot to those people. And it's, society, in a lot of ways now, I think, you must, I mean, know you're agreeing with this one, is the amount of changes in our lifestyles. And it's most, this is the most real, basically, it's grab people on the horns as Every time we get our lockdown, everything's going to completely change. Work yeah. patterns, your way of life, way like if, how you make friends and stuff. And I'm just because then anyone who's interested in this thought things like, I know you'll be the same as me in this. Is over what you've had in the past 10 months, I've drifted apart from some friends I've known for what 20 or 30 years pre to lockdown. And time we get out of lockdown, I'm probably never going to speak to them again because we've drifted, but then made other friends to replace it. And it's just been very very unusual year really it is so freaky because i feel that i also feel that people i also feel that um this this lockdown has made me open my eyes in a certain people that you know maybe i felt not close to but like deep tours but you know like they yeah they kind of you know it kind of just feels weird because i felt that you know in a lockdown situation andy i feel like the People that mean most to you, um, you know, they don't have to like communicate with you per se, but you know that vibe when you know that they don't care. 
that's yeah. the kind of vibe I've got with certain people. And you know, like yeah. it's Good. best to just cut the ties rather than to waste energy. It's like anything, really. Like if if um, it's like anything. Like if you if someone if you really like somebody or like you know, just give them the inclination that you want to like you know communicate. And that I just feel that I honestly just feel like yeah. But at the same time, you have to balance it out, saying like people. <sighs> just couldn't handle it people just can't handle it because naturally we are social creatures andy because naturally no matter if you're introvert or extrovert uh so, um we as human beings naturally we gravitate towards socializing with people and and that's it really that is it and yeah it's going to be one of those where it's going to take ages for us to recover oh god completely with that one i agree with you now um let's talk question i want to ask you about this today is our open ask question is I know there was some talk about Frank, and I'll answer my side in a minute. Is like, obviously, you've been, obviously, I know you've been in relationships for a bit now. How has it been trying to maintain a relationship in lockdown? Oh, fuck. Um, so, See, okay. we're getting deep now, deep and deep and deeper. Oh, that's deep. Yo, that's so good a question. So, it's very interesting. So, I'll exclusively tell you how I got onto like both these relationships. So, the first relationship, right? Um, I literally, um, at, so when the first week of lockdown began, I literally didn't see anybody, like, you know, literally saw no one, didn't want to see anybody, et cetera, et cetera, right? And the craziest thing is, Andy, is that, uh, the craziest thing is, Andy, is that for me, I really, uh, it really felt so weird, bro. Like, I'm not lying to you, man. It felt so weird as hell that um like at the end of march there was this lot there was this facebook group about um basically a a group about people in lockdown right you know just general group like hey what are you guys doing during lockdown group yeah and i posted a post in that group saying what does everyone do for a living and then becca um becca calloway who uh performed at poet oh, she's a poet herself mad thing uh anyway uh she um she said oh i do palmistry and uh and tarot readings and yeah i found that interesting so i messaged her and said i messaged her in the comment do you want me to can do you want to read my palms she said yeah sure so i took a picture of my palms sent it to her and then she did a 20 minute palm reading and then i thought you know what i really want to make a series out of this so i usually use excerpts of her palm reading and then create the um, the palm chronicles of a kind of a story where she captured Dre Zero in a weird alternate dimension and I need to get out by learning about myself. And so basically, I started to grow interested in her because we were just chatting here and there, realized that she lived not too, like an hour away from me. And so um, at the end of the series, I actually asked her, the way I ended that series was I asked her out on a date. <laughs> <laughs> Legit, like, and then she was like, are you serious? What? And then we had a virtual date uh, at the very early part of May. Now, all this time for 10 weeks, I did not see anybody apart from my mum, dad, uh, you know, and I only really went to shops, right? And uh, Becca was the first woman that I, the first person I actually hung out with after 10, 11 weeks. We met at this remote village outside of, in between where myself and herself lived. And we slowly built our bonds and the moment that we actually the moment that we were allowed to you know be in social bubbles and be in someone else's house was the first time i actually went around hers she's never been around mine because uh, i have two elderly parents so i thought that was far too risky even to this day it's still too risky and uh, yeah and uh, yeah so we maintained that relationship here and there been extra safe i was i, I travel a lot of the time uh, wore my mask for hours because a lot of the time there were bus replacement services so one hour journey to three hours and yeah uh, and I think maintaining it's hard because um, maintaining it was hard for me and Becca because it didn't work out because we were in different places in our lives and like we're still friends we're still cool with each other but then with the newest relationship with this lovely new lady that I have in my life uh, it's mad because it, we really like we the fact is we both live in the same town she lives by herself so therefore and we met just before the second lockdown before the before the second week of november or yeah so basically yeah we hung out and then she's been in my bubble since so 
technically speaking, I haven't broken any rules by being with her because she lives by herself because of the rule saying that uh, someone living alone in the UK, they can form their own, they can form bubble one of the household. So yeah, it, it's been literally, uh, I know it's early days between myself and this beautiful lady, but uh, it, this has been by far the, the best relationship, uh, like, especially the start, like ever, like, I'm, I'm not afraid to admit that. Oh, that's fair play, man. That's how you did that. You've all, I think sometimes you've got to go through a bad relationship to get to a good relationship. That's why. But certainly, like pre Amanda, I had, had a couple, I had a couple of rubbish relationships. And I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to bad mouth again. So it's a past. The a few stinkers. Yeah, past the past, basically. So there is yeah. very, as a reason. But um, it's interesting because mine and Amanda's case, and it's, people that know us wouldn't necessarily know this, but. November 2019, things went a bit berserk for my family because my dad had a stroke he did and they got rushed into hospital at that same time. My dad had a stroke as well, yeah. so I understand. I, yeah. I understand. Uh, it caused chaos. It caused chaos. It was a chaotic two weeks because it was a couple weeks for Christmas. Amanda's flat she was living in then got infested by mice and she had a landlord that didn't do a very good job of sorting it out. So we had to get her into my flat on a temporary basis for next to nothing. And then my mum got took into hospital because she fractured her hip running around, running around after that. And wow. then and then my brother-in-law went in because he knee he had he had a, and a very early appointment to come up for knee, knee replacement. So then basically we had three members of my family not took out the action pretty quickly. And then we, we have ended up then deciding to get Amanda in this flat permanently at the beginning of last year. And wow. then, then we went into lockdown four weeks later. So it was right at the right bloody time, but it's just been absolutely chaotic. Well, my phone's all right now, but it's like... Nah, thank goodness for that. That's great. Yeah, but it's, it's just worrying. You know what I mean? Like, it's... You, know, you think really what we did? We'd, we'd have, I've been seeing Amanda now for four and part, four, in track, fifth year now. And it'd be going really great. It had been, and it's still going really great. But we ended up changing gears in the relationship when we had to as an emergency. So it's just been very, very strange times. So. Yeah. Goodness. I bet, bro. I bet. Incredible yeah. stuff. Right. And you know, like, like learning about all this, like, and all that kind of stuff, man. Because of it, it's one of those situations where, like, the adaptability that everyone has to go through through this is incredible. Because uh, I know it's so cliche to say, but these are all unprecedented times, and we've all had to buckle up and, like, literally, literally, like, honestly, we've all had to adapt in our own way, Andy. Like. Like, you know, uh, like, for example, I can't, like, for example, I can't hang out with certain people because, you know, it's like, simply put, like, it can't, there's no, you know what I mean? Like, can't hang out with certain people. It's uh, because of the fact that, well, you know, we're, we're in a pandemic, you know, can't travel, can't perform, like, can't perform in person in stages and that, you know, it's, it's all, it's all different now. It's all, it's all a different world, like, you know. Yeah, no, it is, and it's definitely that one. The world has changed, and it's going to be interesting next six months to see it go. So, right, Uma, should we call it quits there, mate? Because we're going to obviously go and get ready for our other podcast today, aren't we now? So, oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, yeah, I can't, I can't wait. More chat, let's go. <laughs> let's go then. Right, guys, this is spoken label. Definitely starting out for the second time just now. So, thank you again, Uma. It's been great fun today, mate. So, I'll see you all soon, guys. All the best, man. Always love, always, always love Spoken Label. Thank you. Spoken Label.